This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MQ1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Tons. I'm your co-host Liam Connolly and as always we're joined by my other two co-hosts. Uh, first of all, uh, Ross Duffy. So uh, Ross, how you doing mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a positive spirit after um, being back at Stadium MK last night. Yeah, it was a good feeling, wasn't it? Did you get in for kickoff or were you outside? Uh, uh, fortunately, we, we met a few in the line so uh, we didn't have to wait at, at the back. Uh, but, uh, nice. Yeah, I don't think many people were pleased. No, I saw the reaction on their social media and the club were quick to react to that, weren't they, in terms of getting people's feedback. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that will happen against Sunderland and on the 14th because uh, I think I'll have a lot of day trippers not going to that one. Um, but we'll talk about that. Um, let's introduce our other co-host, uh, Joe Freeze. Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. I'm currently suffering with a horrific cold, but I'm sure I'll make it through. How did you find last night? Yeah, no, it was good. Some nice football played, but I think you, you can just see the the Premier League quality at times in uh, in um, the Tottenham team. But yeah, no, nothing to be ashamed of. Decent run out, and um, yeah, good test ahead of Saturday's game. Yeah, a few people were impressed, didn't they? Some of the new signings, and of course, uh, well, for a lot of times for the fans, first time seeing some of them. So yeah, it'd be nice to see them again on Saturday against Bournemouth, which we'll get on to later. Uh, but first of all, we've got League One preview to do. And a very special guest to introduce, uh, a person who we've been to get onto the podcast for a long time. And uh, I think it's safe to say he's an EFL connoisseur, uh, Gabe Sutton. How are you doing, Gabe? I'm very well, thanks, Liam. Really enjoyed my summer, but uh, great to be back talking EFL with you. Yeah, no worries. And uh, you've been a busy man, haven't you, this summer in regards to the EFL? Um, I suppose before we get into that, how long have you actually watched the EFL? Well, I've, uh, I'm a Birmingham City fan, uh, so I suppose once we came down from uh, from the Premier League in 2011, I suppose I, fo- I followed them, uh, the championship, and then a few years after that, I um, I went to a, a random Burton Albion game against Chesterfield when Chesterfield won the, the promotion that day, and I think from then on, it's always kind of hooked me the, the lower divisions, I guess, and 
um yeah I, I sort of just kind of started writing about it and um sort of it's picked up picked it up from there really yeah i suppose that vast knowledge has kind of led you to do things like the efl fan show which i know you've had several dons fans on including myself and i know you've wanted to get joe on for quite a while um but what was the sort of inspiration behind doing something like that especially during because it was lockdown still wasn't it when we were all sort of stuck inside and you know yeah looking to get back to the football yeah i think i think that was quite a big factor um i suppose i um I quite enjoy um, I enjoy writing about the EFL, uh, but I also enjoy sort of talking to people like yourself as well. They're very knowledgeable and passionate and about their teams. And um, I kind of, uh, I suppose I offered myself out to kind of go on various different podcasts, but it's, um, I don't know, it's, I think I also felt like it'd be quite a good thing to just kind of set up my own show and I'm not a technical wizard necessarily. So, uh, you know, YouTube and podcasts probably, for that reason, probably didn't go for that sort of thing. But with um, what was Periscope, then uh, it felt like it was quite easy to set up the practical side and get people on. And I felt like that really worked for me alongside the, uh, the work that I do. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of picked it up from there, really. Yeah, no, you seem to got the hang of it for sure from watching plenty of them this summer. So, yeah, I wouldn't put yourself down too much. Um, but you mentioned about the writing and obviously you've been doing, you know, recently your season previews have been released, of course. It was League Two yesterday, uh, sure. League One today as we're recording this and it'll be the championship tomorrow. Um, so let's not waste any more time. Let's look into the League One uh, season preview for yourself. And I suppose it's MK Don podcast. It's important to start with the Dons. Um, so... We've obviously, we, all three of us have read that preview already. Uh, some people may have not. Maybe they're waiting for this. Maybe they've just missed it completely from having a busy day. So tell us where or what you're predicting for Dons this season and, you know, a bit of rationale behind that. So I've got MK Dons winning the league. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. Yeah, I know. Um, but and I, um, it, it was quite it's a strong prediction, I think, in some respect, because... Ipswich would have probably been the obvious choice for a lot of people. Um, I think that the question for me over someone like an Ipswich is, as much as I really rate Paul Cook as a manager and I like their recruitment, I don't feel like they've got, they've established a clear style of play. And I feel like if I'm going to put the team in your automatic promotion places, I like them to have established some foundations, a core of players, have some stability in the dugout. Um, and, and, and sort of back them to kind of improve off the back of that. Those are the kind of things that I like to, to look at. And I feel like MK Dons have that. And I think that, you know, you had a lot of final third entries last season. You uh, had better of a lot of games, especially in the early part of the season, against some of the better teams where you didn't quite, quite come off. But I think that with Moise signing and Matt Trotters as well, um, you're probably going to be a little bit more clinical uh, this season. And I think that you're tantalising the clothes, in my opinion serious force and I think that with the right addition I feel you've made I think you can make quite a big jump yeah I mean I'm not going to complain about being league winners for sure uh, I know that I know a lot of Dons fans are expecting a fair bit from this team um, but I think league winners is certainly something that's maybe ambitious to say the least but hey I'm all for it happy days I'd love to win the league I think we haven't so it's been well, a very long time of course and back to the championship would be excellent Um I suppose, I mean, Joe. I mean, what are your thoughts on win the league? You you up for it? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 uh, more than up for it to go along for the ride. That's for sure. Um, I think um, 
yeah, it's I I, I I spoke to Gabe a couple of days ago about it, and um, I, yeah, and I, I I said as a joke, so have you got us first or second? Then? And he said first. I went, what? <laughs> oh, I, I, I couldn't believe. I mean, I, I think I, I think we'll have a good season. Um, yeah, I guess it. I guess one, you know, Gabe spot on with what he said. It uh, last season we always said about how we get into the box so often, yet we just lack that extra touch, and I think. With players like Josh Martin, with players like Matt O'Reilly, with a you know a, a head of a full season, Scott Twine now, but then now actually we've got the the actual strike. Um, you know Jerome and Greg are great, but you know Issa and um, Waters they've done it in the, in the EFL before, and I think that that could be the the edge that that you know from the start of the season if we hit the ground running, we could really do well. And I think as well we said on on our on the on on here at the end of last season that. I think the last 25 games or something of the season, we were the fifth or sixth best team in League One. So, you know, it, it wasn't just, a, it, you know, we weren't a mid-table team for the whole season. We were a bottom half team for half the season. Then the other half of the season, we were a playoff team, essentially. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we've lost Fraser, but, you know, I think maybe we might see, yeah, we see other players take on different responsibilities and, you know, slight changes in how we play, and yeah, it's we've we've kept the majority of that team, and I can't see why we're not going to be pushing on even even more. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we were talking. You mentioned that's what we're talking about all of the summer and all of the end of last season in terms of it's almost natural progression with the signings that we've made that we could make that challenge, and of course, Gabe does think he'll make that challenge and succeed at that. Um, Ross, of course, there's been a fair few signings since the last podcast, and the main one for you anyway, via Moisa, uh, a striker who you've been picking up a lot when we had our previous podcast in terms of transfer targets when we talked about Issa and Marquis. So, um, t- well, talk about the signings in general if you like, but especially uh, Moisa, who you know you like a lot. Well, uh, I'm just I just want to refer back to Gabe's prediction. That's music to my ears. That really is. Um, but as for Mo, I. I I know I've I've been banging on about him for um, all window, and I, the reason why I'm saying it is because if you look at his all of his goals for Peterborough last year, it's just about being clinical in the final third. And I know Joe touched upon it briefly, and I know we've touched upon it in previous episodes, in the fact that we've had the most touches in the opposition area, and having like, someone like Mo. In, in that sort of area, you, you're, you're asking for goals in my eyes. And I know we don't know what the fee is and we know there could be add-ons, et cetera, et cetera. But in my eyes, I, f- I feel it's completely worth it for um, someone like Mo, especially. Um, we saw in the Bristol and Spurs game, he's got that confidence on the ball. He don't, don't, it can mix up with a bit of trickery, with a bit of a step over or a feint. Um, but he also don't mind running in behind. We saw it a few times where um, I believe it was O'Reilly played the ball over the top to Mo. And yeah, I'm really excited about the signing. And I'm, I don't want to I don't want to say it, say it now because he hasn't scored a goal yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if he scored 15 plus this year. Mm. If I could just uh, could just kind of echo that from Ross um, I'd also add that he had a really good season uh, for Cheltenham Town a few years ago which was his first in the EFL and after that he went to Bristol City which was a two division jump didn't quite work out for him and then he went to 
Eastborough, I think, where for a lot of that time he was behind very good strikers and I think they shunted him wide left, which didn't really work. So at a couple of clubs, things have maybe gone a little bit against him. So I think that that almost worked in and played on his favour a little bit because this is someone who's got really good feet, I think, as Ross has alluded to, and just around the edge of the penalty area, he's someone who can produce a finish with Maybe MK Donson didn't quite have last season. So um, that's a signing I think could could really elevate MK. Yeah, and I, obviously a couple of signings today as we're recording this, of course, to return of Joshua Ketkrim, which is, I'm sure, welcomed us by all four of us. Uh, really, Yeah, really talented player who we all liked, really good on the ball, controlled the games really well. And uh, yeah, adds to a really competitive field, uh, which is probably up there for one of the best in the league right now, I'd say. Uh, but also Troy Parrott, who's joined him from Tottenham today. Um, I believe he was at the game yesterday from what from what he said in his words so that's obviously positive to hear he saw the team in action and uh, likes what he saw of course he signed on um, I'll go around, go around the table on this but I'll start with yourself Gabe talk to us a bit about Troy Parrott and your knowledge on him because assuming some Don fans may not know a lot about Troy but I'm assuming you have quite a bit of knowledge on him yeah um, this was someone who was um, very highly recommended in terms of the youth circuit last summer and uh, people were wondering if he could make a success of things in the championship. I think maybe Spurs were almost wondering about having him as the the deputy to, to Harry Kane, which is you know obviously quite a difficult sell at times. And um, I think my understanding of him in terms of the reviews that he got at youth level was this is quite a well-rounded striker, can score goals, quite tall but reasonably mobile and has quality on the ball. Um, I think there was maybe question marks over his temperament, whether he's got an aggressive side, which you could look at as a good thing as well as maybe a negative. But um, And then he had that own spell at Millwall, where I think he was interrupted a little bit by injuries. And um, and then he went to Ipswich, where he was playing under, under Paul Lambert, and it wasn't necessarily the happiest ship there. Um, a couple of stints where it didn't quite go for him, but I think in your first year of senior football, it's always going to be difficult. So I suppose optimistically, um, you'd hope that he can um, he can have a better time of things this time around. But I think that, that depth up top, and it looks like Russ Martin's going to play the 3 4 one, two this season. You've got four good strikers there because we've touched on Issa, Parrott, um, you've obviously got Max Waters as well, who scored, I think, 13 and 15 at one point last season for Crawley, which is crazy, really. And uh, and Charlie Brown, we've not even mentioned yet, and I think a lot of people are hoping for a good season from him. So, uh, you know, from what being one of the areas last season where you weren't quite as potent as maybe you would have liked, I think you've got four good options. Yeah, I say it was um, it was something that came out of the blue, really, wasn't it, Joe? In terms of how it came about today from Athletic, in terms of breaking it, and then a few hours later he was in the building getting a medical done. Um, but yeah, I mean, game seems to like uh, Troy Power a lot. Are you on the same line of him? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a little um, just had a little search, see, see seen some comments from uh, the transfer. I've got a friend who's an Ipswich fan, and he spent um, some of last season there, and he said that he he, he was he almost you know. You, you could tell he had something, but he was, in his words, surrounded by crap um, last season. That was uh, that, uh, along those lines, anyway. Um, but I think as well, he can he can also play as a ten. I think he's quite versatile player. And um, like Gabe said, from what I've heard, he's he's not necessarily a poacher. He's not necessarily, you know, a, ma- a massively physical striker, but just does 
a lot of different things quite quite well. So overall, an all round striker, and I think it you know it adds real depth to our options up front. Uh, we've got all sorts of strikers, um, and I think that's really important because different teams will offer different challenges. And um, yeah, I mean he's obviously got good pedigree, and hopefully this is a season where it all clicks for him. Yeah, you won't find many better systems than ours, will he, in terms of creating chances? He said, he said so himself. So, you know, I'd like to think that motivation can help him kick on and uh, try and compete for some starts in this team, which, you know, if he does well, I'm sure he'll get. Um, Ross, I mean, obviously, you give your thoughts on the Parrot deal, but also it turns our attention to rest of strikes in the squad because obviously we, we had four initially in terms of, you know, the, the aforementioned Isa, Waters, Charlie Brown, but also Jay Bird. Now, with bringing Parrot into that situation, you've kind of got five strikers who, you know, have all shown pedigree in some way. Especially Jay Bird, who throughout his preseason, who for me has been one of the better players we've seen so far this preseason. So, where does that leave Jay Bird? Do you reckon he's heading out on loan somewhere, or do you reckon he'll sort of stay in AMK for the season? Personally, I I really like the look of Jay Bird, and I I do believe he's at the right club, obviously, to develop his career. But I feel like at this current time, I feel like there are there are better options in the squad. And I do believe he'd probably benefit going out and playing uh, on out on loan, maybe conference league two level, um, where he's consistently playing each week. So when he does come back to us either in January or next summer, depending on the stint of the loan, he's ready to fight for places. But I feel like so obviously. We've paid money for Mo. Um, Waters, he's proven to uh, somewhat to an extent. And then we've got Charlie Brown, who Russ, when 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 we signed him, always said that it was like a long-term development and it need, he needed time to um, get, get introduced into men's football. And then, um, who else? I've completely forgot now. Charlie Brown. Uh, oh, yeah. the striker, yeah. Um, yeah, and so there's so many options up top. I just feel like Bert Bird's in a situation where he, he might have to go out on loan if he wants to play football, but he might get the odd appearance in the like Carabao Cup or the Papa John's Trophy. So it depends what he wants, really. And I don't see him breaking through to the first team and playing every week because our, our options are so strong up, up front. So going forward, I, I'd possibly send him out on loan. Yeah, we're interested to see where he goes, actually, if he does end up going. Because obviously we have that relationship with Oxford City, don't we? Where some players like Sam Numbay off there before, among as others who have done well there. Um, so so that's, that distant relationship could be utilised there. Um, but yeah, so it's been a really busy couple of days for Dons and it's been a really positive couple of days. I have to get back to the stadium, seeing all the new players come in. And of course, travelling down to Bournemouth on Saturday, which uh, all three of us are doing. Um, so yeah, that'll be good. Um, but let's turn our focus away from Dons onto the rest of League One. Um, and we're kicking off with teams we think are going to impress this season. Um, so, yeah, pretty self-explanatory. We're going to talk about some teams that we reckon are going to be pushing up towards the higher end of the table, maybe where we think MK Lons are going to be. Um, so, Gabe, I'm sure the guests will let you kick off. Uh, who Who's the one team you're signaling out, apart from Dons, who you think are going to really impress this season? Um, I'm going to go for Wickham Wanderers. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was a Beckingham Pier top two. Um, because 
there's uh, obviously two different two teams with different styles of footballs, but I think you know the most important thing is not necessarily what the style is, but having that sort of conviction with it. And I think we can have that, and um, you know they're starting actually to be able to kind of um, mix their game up to a certain extent with a few more vertical, crisp forward passes. But they're obviously signing Sam Boat to is going to very much give them that direct option and they're probably going to have a nippy striker like an Alex Samuel or a Scott Cashkett alongside him. I think they've got plenty of creative options behind him as well. So um, the, the other thing worth looking at with Wickham as well is after Gareth Ainsworth switched to a wing-back system last season, they picked up, um, I think it was 16 points from their final eight games, which is crazy form for them at championship level. So I think in League One, I think they're really going to go strong. So they're my tip to, to get a second spot. And you can have a look at um, my full predictions on that with the, the article that I've got with um, Victor, of course, um, when the fun stops off and all that. But yeah, that, that's where it is. Yeah, so we shared on our socials earlier and we'll put it in the podcast description in case you'll check it out whilst you're listening to this. Um, so you check out Gabe's full 124 on all three EFL leagues, including League One. Um, Joe, I believe you're joining Gabe and picking Wickham. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've got two. I've got one that I think will do um, uh, be at the top end of the division and one I think that will maybe just surprise a few teams. Um, so, yeah, Wickham... Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people maybe think of Wickham as uh, that that plucky team that always against the odds managed to stay up. But I mean, they've got I think American ownership now, and I think the biggest thing they've done this season is managed to keep Gareth Ainsworth. He, he's always just seems to be a miracle worker, and as much as it pains me to say, I think they're going to do fairly well, and they're just a they're just a solid team, and that yeah, a couple of good additions that uh, Vokes he could be an absolute superstar or he you know he could be a flop who knows but I just think they're solid and they don't get much like drastically wrong Ainsworth doesn't and they're just quite a sensible team you know David Wheeler uh, who uh, us Duns fans will know about he's still there so yeah I think they'll be a difficult team this season and um, another team that I think will maybe do better than what a lot of people expect is Morecambe uh, who Gabe has actually tipped relegation is <laughs> actually tipped for relegation <laughs> Um, but yeah, in, in, in Gabe's preview, he mentions about how they're just a, a really well-run club, and you know, almost similarly to Wickham, Wickham in a way, they've you know they're, they're known for having one of the smallest budgets, and for years they've always been you know the plucky underdogs as such. Um, but they've they've got some quality in that team. Um, they acted fast to replace Derek Adams, so they've had a you know a proper summer of um, of preparation. Um, they've managed to get Adam Phillips back in, who was, um, he, I think he was there the first half of the season, then went to Accrington for the second half on loan from Burnley. So he's, you know, that sort of, that player that can do something out of nothing, which, you know, for a team that, let's face it, they probably are going to be bottom half, but you need those sorts of players that can, you know, w- can win you points on their own. Um, Jonah Younger is, I think, is an interesting signing for them as well. He's um, a young striker from, I believe, Bristol Rovers, but he was a hell of a handful a lot of the time. However, he just didn't quite have that finishing touch. Um, and and they've kept, uh, they, they have lost a few players from the promotion team, but they have kept a few of the key ones too. So, yeah, I, I'm not predicting them to be be up there come the end of the season, but I may, maybe a little bit higher than what Gabe's put them. 
yeah, I like the two predictions, especially Morph. It would be nice to I think always these Premier League two teams keep it in the struggle and half time they really don't. They always end up pushing up a bit further than people expect them to. So yeah, good, good suggestions there. Um, Ross, are you joining the Wickham train or are you heading a different direction? Oh, a completely different direction. Uh, <laughs> all the way down south. Um, I've gone with Plymouth Argyle. Um, oh, lovely. It's going to surprise a few. Um, they play a very attractive brand of, uh, of football, obviously similar to us. Um, and last season, they were in the same situation as us. They were trying to get used to playing the, their, their, their play of football and... Ryan Lowe, fair play to him. He stuck to his guns and um, he rode out the storm and they started to really pull off some decent results come the end of the season. And I think it just goes to show the intent of obviously Plymouth this season, um, tying down Jeff Cott and Danny Mayer to two-year co- um, contracts. And they've also added some quality in obviously Jordan Houghton, we know, um, XMK and Ryan Broom, two players who like to dictate and suit Ryan Lowe's system um, to the T in my eyes and I just feel with this Plymouth side they're only going to get better and better I can't I can't see them getting any worse so they're out shot, outside shot for the playoffs for me for sure yeah I like, I like that session a lot actually uh, so we played them twice last season they gave us a good game both of them um, and yeah I mean I got over to mine I suppose uh, I've gone with Lincoln City um, a team that I think people are quite down on. Obviously, they lost a lot of young talent heading back to their parent clubs in Rogers and Johnson. Uh, but I think Appleton's did well in the market this year, like he usually does. Uh, bringing in Ledekun from Bristol City, you know, he's got all the talent needed to compensate for that loss. And not only that, you're bringing in likes of Ndulu, who, yes, maybe isn't as prolific as you'd like him to be, but he's certainly got the raw talent to be able to provide that prolific uh, side. Um, it's got quite a powerful strike in him as well. Um, I feel that the Farini uh, lad in from Man City is an absolutely excellent signing. And I generally think he has player of the season potential for the whole league as well as Lincoln City. Of course, he played in uh, Holland last season in the first division and had a decent season. You know, nine, nine goal contribution to 32 games. And he's quite a tricky player who should be able to provide the creativity for the likes of Andalulu and players like that. Of course, Teddy Bishop's come in, who, you know, was rumoured to come MK for a fair amount of time. Um, so he's got a quality side and if he can stay fit, you know, he's going to be that type of player who can take him to the next level. And of course, Asa Sorensen, who we all know really well, a player who's got a lot of talent, just couldn't get the game time here. Um, Rumours have heard he's playing as a potential right back, which is interesting. But he certainly has the long ball ability and distribution to be able to provide a different side to uh, that Lincoln side that didn't have previously with maybe Regan Paul. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a nice mix of leaders and youth in there who could definitely change the top six again, uh, if not more for me. OK, so that was uh, that was our sort of, well, that was our main chance anyway in terms of teams are going to press this season. Anyone else got any other mentions? I know Joe mentioned Morecambe. Uh, Gabe, any more? Well, I've got uh, Accrington Stanley uh, making the ah. playoffs, which is probably, I imagine, when outside of League One or to a lot of people, probably looks like a very kind of out there shape. And I can understand why, because they're a small club in, in League Two. So in Houston, the playoffs in League One, it might look like, like madness. But actually, I think if you examine it a little bit closer, um, Normally, Accrington family are losing all their key players every summer. But this year, it's not really been too many. I think all the departures are either 
either plans with that is that they'd probably chosen or you know Mark Hughes I you know I they might not have chosen but I think it's manageable and beyond that they've actually they've not really lost anyone and they've they've made some really interesting additions I think so you look at um, James Trafford is a lad they've got on name from Man City. Apparently, he made the bench in their Champions League run. And then you look at Joe Hardy, who they signed from, from Liverpool. He made their 25-man squad in the Premier League last season. So Trafford and Hardy are two players that are considered sort of worthy deputies by two of the best managers in the world. So I think that those two players could make a real difference to Akron and possibly elevate them into that top six. No, I like that. Obviously, they put hefty price tags on their t- key talents, didn't they? But, you know, they've kept it. They're still there. So it works in many senses. And, uh, yeah, say so it's a shrewd team there. And I'm sure they'll have another good season. Um, so, okay, let's so move on game. to team. Oh, so sorry, it, it, it doesn't have anything to you, with you being mates with Atkinson Stanley's owner then, no? <laughs> <laughs> he follows me on Twitter, so that, that kind of helps. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I agree. They're, they were a good team. They're a good team and they used the loan market yeah. well. Because they got a striker on loan from Burnley, I believe, as well. Yeah, Mombongi. So yeah, no. Yeah, he's probably, he's supposed to be a really athletic lad. So they've got to gonna have four good strikers, a bit like yourselves, for two ups up top system. So uh, that's always good to see. I think injuries hurt them as well last season. So and I think because I think they went a few weeks without playing because of COVID. So you think if you take that sort of dodgy run out of it, that actually on the whole they did have you know. For them to come 11 for mitts all that trouble, you know, if they have an injury free season, who knows where they could end up? Yeah, a lot more depth this year, I think. Okay, so we've, we've talked a lot about teams think they do well this season. Let's go through the other end of the spectrum and talk about teams who made, made disappoints in fans this year. Um, I'll start with yourself, Joe. I said Joe, oh, Ross, Ross, sorry, not Joe. We're going to Joe shortly, don't worry. Um, Ross, who's the team you think made disappoint? Uh, again this season well I, I don't want to obviously jinx it sort of um, I, I, I do see Sunderland as quite a big club in this division but I can't see him performing this year um, for one reason or another um, one the main one not replacing a 26 goal strike striker that's if you lose a striker like in that form you've got to replace him and they, they haven't and all their fans are kicking off about it um, but in the same vein, their fans obviously didn't get along with Charlie White, so um, you don't you don't know what happened. I, I don't know too much about the situation, but um, yeah, I was just um, gathering some thoughts of obviously Sunderland fans, and they they've said that they're low numbers in the fullback positions, and they're really concerned about this uh, season because of uh, apparently the board upstairs they're not investing at all, and obviously when you think of Sunderland, you think they'll be nicking the likes of obviously the Elses and all that so I think overall I, I do believe Sunderland are going to underperform massively and I wouldn't be surprised to see him bottom half of the table very interesting I know, Gabe I know you were, you, yeah, you were fairly high on Sunderland weren't you Gabe I had Sunderland fourth and um, that's for a couple of reasons it's partly because I've probably got more more trust in Lee Johnson than Phil Parkinson. So I think if Phil Parkinson was still in charge, I'd probably agree with Ross. But at the moment, I probably rate rate um, Lee Johnson enough that maybe a you know combination of 
uh, late additions coming in being good, like Josh Key, apparently they're linked with, with Exeter, and also Lee Johnson being a good coach, he worked in the championship, he's quite impressive, I think. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've gone for Sunderland in the playoffs, um, not quite making my, yeah, my top two. Okay, um, I'll go to mine next. This one's fairly easy for me. Uh, Wigan Athletic, I feel, are uh, set up to disappoint, quite frankly. Ooh. Obviously, spent a lot of money on high-risk players. Uh, you know, Charlie White, as before mentioned, you know, coming in from Sunderland, scored a lot of goals that season, but ultimately hasn't done it outside of the stadium of light. Stephen Humphreys, I've never really been a big fan of him, as uh, John, Rowan, uh, Ross and Joe know, you know a lot about me and here, Stephen Humphreys. Um, I don't think he's going to take a team to that next level in terms of get fighting at the top of the league where I think someone like a Joe Pickett could do uh, for Ipswich uh, Greer and Edwards a player we were linked with a fair bit he's a squad player that's about it um, and Jack Watmore okay yeah he's alright but um, I wouldn't say he didn't take he took a Pompey team not very far in League One um, and they're all on high wages I imagine so the motivation of with a young coach as well and Richardson who has been put a lot of pressure on him in terms of to do well this year of course, just put a lot of money on him, They're giving him a three-year contract, I believe. Uh, the fans will be behind him, but I think the boards, once they start to see the squad, you know, pick up a few bad results, even if it's early on, they could the, the pressure could mount. And I'm, I'm I'm just not confident we're going to make in the top six. Like I've seen a lot of people put them there. Um, you know, they were, as we all know, they had the troubles last season and were very close to going down in the end. Um, and yeah, I think them to potentially get top six or even promoted is just too high, too much, too ambitious for me. Um, so yeah, I think ultimately we're going to set up to this point and I'll probably finish about mid-table, which would be a... Yeah, it's just disappointing for them, obviously, because you spend that much money on two you know, prolific strikers. You expect yeah. to be, you know, at least top 10. Um, but uh, yeah. for me... I mean, yeah. I, I would kind of half agree with you in the sense that it feels very much like they've gone straight from that position of kind of being a crisis club where it, you're going to require a dunker dunk just to stay afloat to all of a sudden saying we're going to do this, that and the other. Uh, but I also think that probably a building season in the top half wouldn't be the worst thing for Wigan if they have a clear playing identity and then can kind of build on that for the following season. Um, I think to go, how many places would it be to... to from where they finished last season, it'd be about what uh, fifteen odd. I think that's quite a big ask. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think if they finished in the top half, I don't think that would be about. Yeah, I think from a club point of view, it wouldn't be. Um, I think from the fans, it probably would. Um, you know, I studied a bit of Wigan. I did a bit for sort of my university degree on them all, and they're, they're a very ambitious fan base. Um, and obviously, they're seeing all these signings coming in. They're going to expect a big things. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think from a club perspective, uh, top 10, top 12 isn't really bad at all, especially with a squad they have right now because ultimately is it good enough for a promotion charge? But I think from the stands, it's going to be quite disappointing, especially if the likes of, say, Humphrey scores 20 goals and probably tries to move on to a bigger club in Championship or further on than that. Also, I'd like to mention, I'm not backing Liam up here, but if I was to tell you, uh, Gabe, um, I'm going to pay, I'm going to be paying Charlie White between eight to ten grand, obviously uh, a week. And I told you you're going to be getting top half. That's not good enough in my eyes. If you if you're paying that sort of wages, you've got to be going top six, 
to promotion. That's that's why they've invested. They want to get out of this division as quick as possible. And you're telling me they're going to accept the top 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 half finish? I don't I don't feel feel they would. Well, investment is only one part of what makes a successful team. So you can invest lots of money, and I agree that's really important. But I also think if you've got a core of players who have achieved something as a unit previously, whether that be getting into the playoffs or achieving a top 10 or top half finish, then that gives you the confidence that we've got the manager, we've got the players, we've got the structure to then push on further. But to say to go, we were going from just barely staying up and being bad to have stayed up the, the previous season to say all of a sudden we want to try and finish in the top two. I think that's unrealistic because you've got to have some sort of allowance for the uh, synergy of the team to come together. And I think that requires a bit of patience. Not all owners have that, but I think we've got one of Yeah, I, I like Richardson a lot as manager. I think he, you know, he's that, that group of players did have, he galvanised quite well and um, that was a situation really well. Uh, but yeah, it's a different kettle of fish when you bring these, these players on massive wages who are going to need a bit, I think, a bit of taming, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's an interesting project this year. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Joe, finally, uh, who's a team or teams you reckon could disappoint this season? Um, yeah, Ross has mentioned Sunderland. Um, and then I, I'm going to also say another sort of big club that's maybe going through a transitional period in, in Sheffield Wednesday. And I think it's just with, the, with these teams, you just don't know because... Knowing you know Sunderland, they've obviously got. Uh, I think their owner is um, the son of the ex-Marseille owner, um, and so I think it, I'm pretty sure they have got money. And by the looks of what they were doing earlier in the season, Sunderland seemed to have quite a few. Um, like they were appointing like head of analytics and mm. loads of you know they were making some appointments that you looked at and thought, oh God, yeah, they're, they're you know really trying to sort out off the pitch. Yeah, it comes to it, and they're. You know, it's a week to go until the season, and they look short in so many areas, and it's and it's just a bit concerning with Sunderland. And then Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, it's it's a circus off the off the pitch, and that surely can't help matters on the pitch. You know, players not being sure if they're getting paid, and you know, they, I think Sheffield Wednesday they still have got some good players for the level. However, is it can is that sort of environment conducive to a a, a, a successful team? I'd say probably not. You know, people like um, Shay Dunkley or um, they signed Shadipo, um, Lewis Wing, Bailey Peacock Farrell. Uh, th- these are players that are decent. You know, could probably do a do a job in the championship. However, the, the just how this how 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 everything's going on at um, Sheffield Wednesday. You know, you could see if Darren Moore has a few bad results, are they going to be sticking? sticking with him and having the patience I don't know and <clears throat> I think but then it, they're just like uh, Sunderland in the fact that you wouldn't be surprised if, if a week to go until the season starts and they just splash you know millions of pounds that they probably don't have on you know on on desperately trying to grab um, some players so it, I think it's a really tricky one thinking um, teams that won't do that good um, I mean I've seen quite a lot of people say maybe Burton Albion are dark horses I, I personally don't think that they are. I think they've done a lot of business, but whether or not they've gone from, you know, a lower mid-table team, which is what they sort of, you know, whereabouts they ended last season, whether they've done enough to go from that to playoff pushing 
I'm not too sure. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot harder to say teams that you don't think will do as well than um, than it is to say teams that you think will surprise people. I mean, what everyone, what's everyone's thoughts on Shrewsbury then? Because I know that they're quite they're quite talked about team at the moment, aren't they? With all the signings they've made. I know I see Joe. That, that's the said. thing. They <laughs> they made loads. They've made lots of signings and. So all of you know, it, it, I think because um, we've definitely had it with our, our fans at MK. Sometimes when something's new, or when something's not what you've currently got, it's all nice and shiny. So yeah. there'll be players that I remember at times last season, where um, I think it, you know Lasse Sorensen, for instance, he didn't play for a you know he didn't play for a couple of months. We had a couple of bad games, and all of a sudden people are calling for Lasse Sorensen to play when three months ago they were saying that he should be benched. It's you know it's the it's the novelty of something being new, and I think you know Shrewsbury. I think they have got some good players. I think that it looks like they may be losing um, Ogbeta, I believe, who was mm. one of a very exciting wing back. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just goal threat for them. I think they've got some decent players. I think Cottrell's he's obviously a great man and he's a good manager. Um, but yeah, I just uh, you know I think. Um, Gabe mentioned about Ryan Bowman. It it does. It's not the sort of striker that I look at, and I think, yeah, he's going to take them to challenge for the playoffs. Hmm. I, I think for for me, Shrewsbury a little bit overrated. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at the impact that uh, Cottrell made, and it was quite a big uh, instant impact. Uh, they did kind of drop off a little bit. Uh, towards the end and I, I look at their squad and, and I see Aaron Pierre I see Agbeta who's that left wing back who Joe mentioned and um, there was one other who uh, who kind of came, came from um, but I think there's probably only two or three players that, that I'm particularly keen on for, for Shrewsbury and beyond that I think there's yeah a lot of um, a lot of areas that I'm not so keen on and I think you know, with Ryan Bowman, um, a lot of external fans were saying that although he's a good holder striker who can kind of bring others into play, the fact that he couldn't get in behind last year kind of limited them a little bit. And him and uh, Udo, I'm not necessarily convinced about. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like Shrewsbury could be around the uh, around the you know towards the bottom. I don't see them going down, but I'm I'm not sold on. They lost Chapman too, as well. Yeah, that's the thing. I think Morosi's the other one I quite like. He's a goalkeeper who yes, yeah. at this level with Coventry. But other than that, I'm not, I'm not madly sold on. Yeah, when, when your defence is the key part of your team, the players you're really looking out for, it's kind of hard to have any sort of ambition in terms of where they're going to finish in the league because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no goal for it. Okay, well, that's uh, that wraps up that section then. Uh, okay. Promotion relegation predictions. Now, I've not only asked you guys for this, uh, I've asked the listeners as well for their predictions. So we'll go through theirs first of all. Uh, so Alfie MKD mentioned he thinks Ipswich will get promoted and more can really go down. Um, another Alfie mentioned how he thinks Ipswich are also going to go up, but AC Wimbledon are going to go down. There's quite a few that AC Wimbledon are going to go down, of course, being a uh, MK Don's podcast. Um, Sid mentioned Wickham going up uh, and Morecambe going down. And whoever first it, uh, Wilco, as uh, so Matt Wilcox mentioned, Rotherham going up and Cambridge going down. Finally, Jonathan Harry's mentioned Ipswich to go up and Fleetwood to go down. 
so I've asked all of you, uh, all of us gents have wrote down our one team you thinks definitely going to go up and one team you think is definitely going to go down, or at least in our heads anyway. Um, so Ross, who's the one team you think is going to go up this season out of League One and one team to drop down to League Two? I'm going I'm to sit on the fence here and say Ipswich and be boring. Oh. Um, I, the only reason why I say that is you just look at the quality they've brought in. It's just outrageous for this league. Um, I know obviously with Fraser going there, um, I'm going to I'm going to keep an eye on Ipswich because I've got no hard feelings towards Fraser. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets along there. And they brought in Chaplin also, who's I've, I think um, done really well for Barnsley, I believe, um, in this division. So I think. Um, They've got a good, decent striker in Chaplin. And then obviously all, all over, you could name the whole squad and say, um, pick um, who's a decent player. But yeah, I, I've picked Ipswich to go up. And then going down, I, I think Cambridge. Um, the only reason why I've said this is, um, I believe obviously them losing Mullin up top, um, they they haven't got really a goal threat anymore. But, but all their goals came through him at, um, at the time. I just feel, um, especially last season, uh, they were still conceding goals, but they were just scoring so many. And I feel with, obviously, with the opposition being even harder this year, I do feel like they're, they're going to get punished quite a bit this year. And um, I'm tipping them to go down. Yeah, two picks who seem pretty, well, they're definitely amongst the listeners' thoughts anyway. Um, just a confirmation, Gabe. We'll go to you next. I know you've already got your 1-24s out there, but give us the one team you think that's going to go up for one team that you think is probably going to go down this year. Uh, well, I've obviously got uh, MK and Wickham going up automatically, and I'd be quite worried about Cambridge, to be honest with you. I don't know if, if any of you much stock on shot data but actually last season they were quite reliant on sort of quite clinical final third play as well as a lot of hard work of course but having lost Paul Mullin and Moyle as well the right back I think it's going to be a really tough season for them I don't really see any of their strikers like Joe Ironside necessarily making the grade at, at League One level so I'd be quite worried about Cambridge. Okay, agreement with Ross then. Uh, I've gone Wickham to go up. Uh, very much in agreement with yourself, Gabe and Joe, you know, new owners, uh, you know, talented manager, talented squad who've done it before. Uh, I'm very surprised they're not up there this season. And I've gone Fleetwood to go down. Uh, not much faith in their squad right now. Uh, I do like Callum Morton's talent, but he hasn't really done it at this level. Uh, and obviously at Lincoln, he didn't really impress too much from what I've heard from their fan base. Um, and yeah, obviously they've got uh, the Joe Barton bubble hanging over them as well. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a struggle for them, I think, this year. Uh, I think some of their fans are fearing the worst, unfortunately, for them. Okay, Joe, finally with yourself, mate. Who have you got as the one team to definitely go up this year and the one team to definitely go down? I think there's no doubt on paper who's probably got the best squad and that's Ipswich. I think they've got players that have, you know, recently done it in divisions higher up. You know, you've got I think um, the the keeper they brought in was, I think he was like leaked when he went to Salford. Is he one? He come from Salford, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah Salford. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Seeing people, fans of SPL clubs uh, from Scotland, going, "This guy should be in the Championship. Why on earth is he in League Two? And so, and the fact he's had the season he has in League Two, yet he's still only in League One. I, I you know, I've only heard good things about him. Um, George Edmondson, again, he's young but he's got a lot of pedigree and he's played plenty of football. Um, thing is with 
Ipswich is there's just so much coming coming together. So mm. on paper they have got the players. However, it's it's about you know Paul Cook's got a hell of a job on his hand to get them all together in a conducive system and hit the ground running. And yeah, so I mean on paper Ipswich, but yeah, like you say Wickham, I, I like Wickham and. Well, I don't like them, but I, I like what Gareth <laughs> Ainsworth's done, and I, I, I think I just think they're a solid team. And I, I just think it, it's so hard. You could say any one of twelve teams really, and not be too far wrong. Um, and with Cambridge, yeah, I, I remember listening to um, uh, another EFL podcast, not the Top Twenty podcast, and they used to talk about Cambridge and say there's there's nothing too sort of outstanding about this Cambridge team, but they just got the job done. And that was what they just did all season. It wasn't as if they were blowing teams away. It wasn't as if they were, you know, keeping record amounts of clean sheets. They were just, you know, solid. And when you have those fine margins and all of a sudden the level of quality goes up a gear, you know, you're probably not going to get the rub of the green as much. And, you know, obviously they lost the best centre-back in English football, Harry Darling, in January. Um, so, and then, and then, you know, Paul Mullen, you know, it remains to be seen whether that was a one-season wonder or not. But even still, he was the key reason why they went up last year. Um, and Wes Hulahan's not getting any younger. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at times he was, I think he, he was absolutely, you know, he shouldn't be, he, he's just a joke of a footballer. But if, you know, it, can he play 40 games this season at 39 years old? Who knows? Yeah, all good shouts there. Uh and that brings Alan Browns off our League One preview. Uh, Gabe, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Oh, that's my pleasure, Liam. It's been great to chat to you and, uh, and hopefully my faith in MK is, is vindicated. Yeah, definitely. I think it will be, mate. Especially if we finish first, I think everyone will be loving you. <laughs> um, please, make, please make sure you check out all Gabe's work on the previews. Uh, they'll be on his Twitter or the uh, VetMixer website. If you do have a gamble, please gamble responsibly. Um, and yeah. We'll have to take a little break, then move on to our first proper game of the season against AFC Bournemouth. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back to the Opposition Overview. It's the first one of the 21-22 season. I've got the absolute pleasure of welcoming on Kirk from Cherry's Red Army to preview the game against AFC Bournemouth. So, Kirk, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for this, Liam. Really appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for jumping on on a bit of short notice because uh, we, we planned to do Opposition Overview for this one, but before, you know, get yourself on, Kirk, and talk about Bournemouth because uh, it's a team we're both pretty familiar with. Obviously, you've been a seed ticket holder for quite a long time and uh, I've studied university there and watched a fair few games for Bournemouth. So, yeah, it's a good, good little game to start the season with. Um, I suppose a good starting point for us to talk about is Bournemouth's pre-season in general. I know you've had a little trip to Spain, which is lucky for the boys over there. And uh, any chance of this that you guys have done so far? Yeah, so obviously we didn't get promoted. We lost to Brentford in that second leg and that saw the end of Jonathan Woodgate. Well, it took 30 plus days to actually confirm that. And the Scott Parker, that actually the rumour was going around for quite a while, even at the start of last season, that Scott Parker might be the man to come in and eventually he did come in. And it's going to be an interesting new era for AFC Bournemouth. It was always going to come once Eddie Howe left the club and some of the old guard have sort of left the club now and some have stayed in Steve Fletcher. But they all went off to pre-season uh, to Spain and got some 
hot weather training, shall we say. And a lot of youth went, to be fair, he took a lot of youth, most of the squad. Some were left behind, that would be Arno Danjuma, Steve Cook. And that was pretty much because we know that some of those players are going to be leaving and some we're not sure about. So Steve Cook's one to watch out for. All the fans were a bit, a bit confused with that one, to be honest with you. But yeah, we, we went out there and it looked like Scott Parker said it's going to be hard work, graft. And, and it did look like that from the images that AFC Bourne for dropping on their uh, media accounts. Yeah, I mean, getting a sort of gauge of Scott Parker so far, he's been there you know, for a fairly short period of time, as you mentioned, with the whole Woodgate Saka carrying on a bit. Um, but yeah, when we saw from his time at Fulham, you know, he, he got results out of that pretty poor squad, in my opinion, at Fulham and Premier League level anyway. So what are your general thoughts on Scott Parker so far since he's come in at AFC Bournemouth? I like it. I mean, I'm being told to watch out for Parker Ball. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm not really bothered about what the style of play is at this stage. We've had a few couple of the years that have been really tough to watch and we've had relegation, failed promotion at the first attempt. And now we need to settle down with a manager, an outside manager that we don't normally do. We normally look within the club and Woodgate was sort of within because he was a coach on the Tyndall for one day. But, you know, what I like with Parker is it's a challenge for him. It's a risk for Parker. He's left a, a, a team that's just been relegated with a team that's now in the second year of the championship. And it's, and it's a risk for the club. And for me, Parker wants to do well. He's still in his early years of management and Bournemouth need promotion to the Premier League because it will be a tough few years ahead for AFC Bournemouth if we don't but as I said he, he spoke about hard work graft no places guaranteed maybe some of these players that have been at the club a long time have been too guaranteed of their place and now they've got to work for it and I'm seeing them work in training I'm liking some of the youth that are coming through some of the potential maybe they'll hit the ground running we might see them against MK Dons and they're going to want to show their worth and, and hopefully we can see some of that. Yeah, I mean, from our chair, Pete Winkleman, you know, our biggest successes have been going with younger managers who need to prove themselves in many senses. And of course, we've seen that Russell Martin recently and how the past couple of seasons we've seen progression on progression and the hope is to do that again this year. So, yeah, I think uh, I think focusing on the youth, even from a managerial point of view, is quite a good way to look at it. And uh, yeah, I think I said, I think Scott Parker's proved himself so far. Of course, championships are different beasts to the bottom of the Premier League at times. Um, but yeah, it's a talented squad at Bournemouth and I'm sure he'll uh, be relishing a chance to get some wins and hopefully push on to the Premier League once again. Um, I, know, I suppose uh, we've both been staying caught a fair bit. Obviously, myself uh, studying at uni and watching David Brooks whip goals in a Monday night at Crystal Palace and things like that. And of course, yourself being a season holder for the club. What's it going to be like for the fans to go back to Dean Court? Because, of course, it won't be the first game you're back at Dean Court uh, playing against MK Dons. Of course, you've got the pre-season game against Chelsea and yourself, you know, same pre-recording how you've been to the playoff games there this past season. What's it going to be like for the fans going back to Dean Court? I'm sure it'll be a, a very nice moment considering how long it's been. And firstly, just going back to David Brooks, if we can keep him fit, we'll see a lot more moments that we've seen in the past against Palace and Chelsea, because he does have, a, have that in his locker. But I was fortunate enough to go back to your point about Dean Court. You know, it's been a tough time for absolutely everyone. And we were lucky enough, well, I was lucky enough to go to three games last season during those breaks where the government let fans in. And we had a game against Wickham and Huddersfield in December. Uh, both wins and then we obviously had the Brentford win in the first leg and it was great we had a couple of thousand then three three thousand just around in that first leg and, and it was great and although there was only three thousand in there it still felt pretty packed and that just goes to show how how big part the fans can play 
but hopefully it will be a packed in court. I mean, you've been there, like you said, Liam, and it might be small, but it's a it's an old fashioned ground in a sense that it gives you that atmosphere. And and, and sometimes it, we can get behind the team and, and it can feel like a bigger ground than it actually is. But I think more importantly, it'd be great for those fans that haven't had a chance that have nearly gone over a year of seeing football live. Uh, it's going to be a great moment. I mean, obviously, we want to win the match, but I think most of them would just be glad to be watching live football again. Yeah, we were letting down aside from our run. No, we're bringing a fair few down. Uh, we sold on initial allocation. I think it was 500 odd, and we're bringing even more down than that, I believe. So, yeah, it's going to be a good atmosphere, I imagine, on Saturday, and uh, everyone will be relishing the chance to uh, get back to the, the ground, definitely, I'd imagine. Um, so, of course, you know, you've seen the team play a fair bit uh, this preseason, I imagine. And, of course, the game against Chelsea will be happening uh, after this. Obviously, this is pre-recorded before that game and our game before Spurs. But how how full strength do you reckon AC Bournemouth will go against MK Dons? I know I appreciate it's before the first game in the championships. Maybe there'll be some players needing some fitness. But how, how full strength do you reckon they'll go? I think it's an opportunity. It's the first competitive match before that West Brom game, the opening game in the championship. And I think Parker will try and look to play a team that's going to be potentially the team that will start in that fixture. Maybe uh, one or two players may be being changed. Apart from that, I can see Travers now being the main goalkeeper at this stage with Begovic leaving. You're going to have the likes of either Smith or Stacey playing right back. Jordan Samora might pick up left back. Lloyd Kelly centre-back. That's interesting because if Steve Cook doesn't play, we might have a youth player going in there. And then you've got the likes of Kilkenny in centre midfield. Pearson might not be fit, so we'll look out for that one. But you want to watch out for players like... Um, Anthony, Jaden Anthony, he's really shown himself in pre-season. David Brooks, if he starts, Philip Billing in a number 10 role. And Dom Solanke will want to hit the ground running and sort of do well again because he did get 15 goals last season. So I'm not expecting him to play a weak side, you know. We need to hit the ground running and and, and anything, a result into the next round will, will give us a boost leading into West Brom. Excellent stuff. And uh, before I let you go and let you plug anything you'd like, Kirk, um, a quick score prediction from you. How do you think uh, Saturday have a go against MK Dons? Okay, I'm going to give you a goal. Okay, so I think you will score and it'll be hopefully an interesting cup tie for the fans. But I am going to go with a 3 1 AFC Bournemouth win. Got to back my cherries. Of course, we have. Um, so we're going to go for that. Um, just really appreciate um, you letting me come on this, Liam. And um, yeah, for AFC Bournemouth fans checking out this, you can follow us on Cherry's Red Army YouTube channel, the AFC Bournemouth fan channel. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, but nothing less. You've got, you got to predict your boys to win, haven't you, at the end of the day? And uh, I'm sure us three gents will be predicting the same on our end. Uh, but thank you very much, Kirk, uh, for joining me. And uh, best of luck Saturday. Cheers. Thank you, Liam. Thanks again to Kirk for that little preview regarding AC Bournemouth. Get to know a bit better. Uh, just to round off, we'll we'll kick off of our lineup of score predictions for the game on Saturday. Of course, we're all heading down on the Don's action train down to Bournemouth. It should be a good time, I'm sure. Um, Joe, kick us off, mate. What's your lineup looking like, and what do you reckon the score will be for Bournemouth away? Well, I'm predicting for Sunday a big headache. That's one thing for sure. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of the actual game. Um, yeah, I think we, we're not too sure about Fish, are we? So, I think Franco's had a great performance. So, yeah, I, I can see Franco starting. I can also see Laurie starting. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not too sure which one's number two. So, yeah, but I'll put Franco. Um, I think back three of Warren O'Hara, Harry Darling and Dean Lewington. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see whether Darling is on the right-hand side or in the middle, because uh, it seems like pre-season Darling's been a bit more on the right-hand side. Um, I think he's going to go to Josh Martin on left wing back and Tanai Watson on right wing back. Um, uh, and then I've gone for Kasumu in the pivot with uh, Matt O'Reilly and Scott Twine just ahead. And up front, I've gone for Max Waters alongside Mo Issa. Okay, I like it, like it. Very similar to the team that played against Spurs. He did quite well. Um, Ross, how similar is your lineup looking to Joe's? Uh, fairly similar. Um, I'll just run through it. Um, obviously, Franco, Darling, uh, Wazza and uh, Louis at the back. Um, and then I've gone with Harvey and Martin um, on as wing-backs instead of, obviously, um, Watson. And then I've gone with Kaz in the pivot. And then uh, Twine and O'Reilly. I think them two this season will be something different gravy, I'm going to call it. Um I feel like Matt O'Reilly, we started to really see like the best of him. Um, and now once, obviously, Fraser's left, I feel like, obviously, we'll start to rely on him a bit more. We'll start to really see his, um, the level he, he can carry, um, especially in League One. And then um, I've gone with um, Elsa and Bird up top. Yeah, I believe I'm very similar to you. Uh, Franco in goal. Uh, I've I've pretty much had him down as the number two for a little while now. So I think you're bringing that type of keeper for a reason, and I think it's that reason exactly to play him. Uh, Harry Darling, right centre-back. was a central centre-back. And then Dean Lewington, left centre-back. Uh, wing-backs, uh, Daniel Harvey and Josh Martin. Uh, Kaz in the pivot. Uh, Scott Twine and Matt O'Reilly, who, as Ross mentioned, both look, well, Twine especially look really sharp. And O'Reilly, I think, is very close to being at that same level. And yeah, Mo Eister and Jay Bird uh, up top for me. Uh, Max Waters had a little limped off a bit after 60th minute against Spurs. No update as of yet as to what his fitness is like, but I feel with this short turnaround of the actual game, I feel Jay Bird could get a little cameo and um, who knows, it might be his last this season. We'll see, we'll see. It's all um, speculation. Liam, just yes. quickly, are you going inverted wing-backs or are, is, is, is um, Harvey on the left and is Martin on the right? No, Martin is on the right and Harvey is on the left. Okay. I'll, I'll just, just if, yeah, we'll put anything fast for Martin though. Hey, don't don't put me that. But no, I think Josh Martin looks really good down the right from what I've seen, and uh, we all know Dan Dan Harvey's talents on the left. So yeah, I don't think he'll switch up too much. Um, Interesting to see we've all gone two strikers as well after a season of loving the box midfield, which could easily come into play with Ethan Robson hey, sliding. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, haven't seen too much of Ethan Robson, have we? Saw a bit against Spurs, but not too much. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure he'll get some action at some point. Nice to see him on the ball. Um, but, yeah, 3 4 1 2 or 3 5 2. I think that's the, that's the formation this season, isn't it? Bringing in four strikers who are all top quality, really, in terms and a lot of competition there now for positions. So, uh, yeah, bring it on. 3 4 1 2. Happy days. Um, okay, boys, scores. I've gone nice and positive. I've gone 2 1 Dons. Um, no idea who's the score. Hopefully, for Ross's sake, it's uh, not my wiser. But at the same time, hopefully, it is my wiser because uh, otherwise, he, he owes us a lot of points. Um, Ross, what's your score prediction? Um, I've gone the same 2 1. Um, I, I think it's re- going to be a really good game. Obviously, we know Scott Parker, what he did at um, Fulham, and he tried to really play football in the Prem. And obviously, they just didn't have uh, that much quality um, to keep him up. But I feel like he won't change his ways at all and he'll he'll do the exact same at Bournemouth. And 
Um, I know, obviously, um, on, especially on Twitter, they've had a few injury problems. So I'm hoping we can take advantage of, obviously, this Bournemouth side and uh, I'm hoping we can get the win. Yeah, a few of their key players are missing. There's a few also going to play. I think Brooks and Solanke, according to Kurt, are probably going to play this one. They played against Chelsea also. Uh, but yeah, a lot of key players still missing regardless. Uh, so, Jaro, have you completed the clean sweep of uh, MK Lons upset at Bournemouth? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the first game of the season. You've got to be positive, haven't you? I think, um, you know, we. I think we saw with our game against Burnley, we've definitely got the style of play. We can definitely be more than capable of of taking it to these bigger teams. Uh, the only thing is, like you say, there's there's a couple of players there in that Bournemouth team that wouldn't look out of place in the Premier League. So if we do make a mistake, you know, like we, we did make a couple against Tottenham and they were duly punished. Um, so, yeah, they've got the quality to punish us. But, you know, Parker's quite new to the Bournemouth job. So hopefully uh, they're not they're not that settled just yet. Yeah, that's the hope. And uh, Scott Parker's pretty public about knowing the threat of us. So it'll be interesting to see how he adapts that into his starting 11 on Saturday. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll see you on Saturday down Bournemouth. As, as mentioned, we'll be on the train with Don's action, leaving Waterloo at five past 11. So if you fancy joining us, feel free. Um, let's get Russ Martin on a new contract, eh? Come on, you Don's. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.